0: God, that is what we declare this morning. We come with empty hands, broken hearts, and saying, Lord, I need you. And it's you and only you. And so, Lord, would you inhabit our time this morning in your word? Would you teach us? Would you remove distractions from our hearts and minds of the weak and the troubles and just speak to us? We give you praise for this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Can I all be seated? So this morning, we're going to find ourselves in Galatians chapter 1. And uh, it has been a week, both outside uh, of us and inside um, our hearts. And... um, I am thankful. I am a thankful man, even in the midst of all the troubles and trials and problems. I'm a thankful man um, because I know, I know the One who died for me. I know Him, and I long that we all would just know Him this morning, that we would meet Him. So we're going to be in Galatians chapter one. I'm going to um, read through that chapter, and then we will uh, dive in and see what the Lord will speak to us. So let's pray one more time that the Lord will inhabit um, his word. Father, um, we need to hear from you this morning. And I know that your word um, is living and active. And so this morning, please uh, help us to surrender our hearts to what it is that you would speak. Um, remove me from speaking things that are not of your... Lord, would we only have ears to hear what it is that the Spirit speaks to us this morning? In Jesus' precious name. Amen. amen. So Galatians chapter one. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me. To the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins. To deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. That's a praiseworthy statement. And here comes the admonition: I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ, and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. If, even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Now am I seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. And he called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained within fifteen days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. It is an exciting thing to hear the word of God, I think. I'm encouraged already this morning just rereading this text about who God is for us, about who Christ is for us. So I'm going I'm to start out this morning and I'm going to surmise sort of the whole book of Galatians. And then I'm going to dive into chapter 1. And I kept thinking about salvation, so... Jesus. Salvation is complete in Christ. Amen. Our salvation is not Christ and an outward sign. Salvation is not Christ and a rule of law. Salvation is not Christ and attendance in church. In Christ alone, by grace alone, through faith alone, to the glory of God alone, our salvation is complete. Amen. The gospel I preach. And the gospel that you walk in, you and I received by faith in Christ. The faith we received was revealed to us by Christ himself. We were all once a slave to obey the law of God until such time as Christ was revealed to us. Christ is the fulfillment of the law that kept us. The revelation of God through his son Jesus Christ set us free from the law, and that law served as a placeholder. Prior to his revealing of himself to us, salvation comes as a fulfillment of the promise of the all-sufficient sacrifice of Christ on the cross of Calvary for us. We are called to walk in the freedom of Christ's sacrifice. That freedom that Christ's sacrifice secured for us. In that freedom we have received from Christ, we are enabled and empowered by the Holy Spirit of God to bear fruit toward those who, like us, have received the promise of Christ's salvation. We add no burden to our salvation in Christ alone. In loving our brothers and sisters, we dare not add any burden by adding anything to the gospel of Jesus Christ as the only way of salvation. That we are saved by faith in Christ's finished work on the cross, this same gospel of salvation in Christ alone is by whom we are justified by faith. We are being sanctified and glorified by that same faith in that same Christ. Amen? Amen? Having said all that, usually what a what a preacher does is lead you up to that. But I couldn't help this week as I was preparing this, I want to give the whole thing because of all that's going on around us all the things that try to circumvent the gospel of Jesus Christ, all the things that get in the way of Christ alone, all the things that I add to the gospel of Christ, I do in my own tendencies to be legalistic. And I tend to say, it's Christ plus I must do some work. It's Christ and I must do this. It's not. The scripture is clear that it is in Christ alone that my salvation is secure. That I can't work my way to God, that he did everything to work his way to me. So you may ask yourself this morning, why are we studying Galatians? I thought that we were studying Acts. We are. We really are. We're still studying Acts. But we left our study in Acts where Paul and Barnabas, they had returned to Antioch-Syria and they were giving their full report of all that God had done in bringing salvation to the Gentiles. And in a short time, Jewish non-believers attempted to subvert the gospel and, all, and the all-sufficient sacrifice of Christ as the means of by by faith of salvation, they tried to say it was this and that. It was this and this legalistic thing. It was this and an outward symbol or sign that you are indeed one of His. And so, let's flip back to Acts just for a moment, and just the last few verses of Acts chapter fourteen. We'll look at um, twenty-seven through the through fifteen-one, and when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles, and there remained no little time with the disciples. Chapter 15. But some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Think about this. In just a year and a half was the journey of Paul and Barnabas. In just a year and a half, he preached, what did he preach? He, he preached salvation in Christ alone, through faith alone, by grace alone. That's all he preached to them. And yet in this short one and a half year time, there were subversions to that gospel truth. And that is the reason why we are looking at Galatians today, and will for the next few weeks. See, the perversion of the gospel, it had already begun in the area of Galatia where Paul established the church. And now men were coming to Antioch and teaching these same perversions of the gospel to the saints at Antioch. It was at this time, about AD 51, that Paul wrote this letter to the Galatians. And so, I would encourage you this week, too, that as you think about the Bible and you think about our study of the word, is that a letter that was written to these Galatians would have been read all at once. Okay? So to get the whole breadth of it, I, I would just encourage you that in the next week and the next couple weeks, read the whole thing through because it is a letter intended to be read all at once. And um, as I began to study this, that's why I read, the whole, I read the whole book several times. And I thought, you know, the whole conclusion of the matter is what we open with this morning is about that salvation in Jesus Christ and Christ alone. So, in verse 1 here of Galatians, Paul begins Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. You see, Paul begins by defending by what authority he writes. And you see, that we have that same authority by which Paul writes this letter. The disciples of Christ have the same authority because it is through Christ, through Jesus Christ, and the power of his resurrection that we are authorized to speak the truth of Jesus Christ alone as the means by which we are saved. Notice that in verse one, he says, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. See, he explains to us here that it's the power of the resurrected Jesus Christ that we have authority in him by the power of the, the raised Jesus living in us. We have the authority to speak the truth of God. Because now Christ dwells within each of us. Gives us gives me great encouragement. Because I, I waver. Do you not? Do you not waver? I waver. I waver in my faith all the time. I go back and forth. I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough why would anyone listen to me? That becomes the question as I prepare every message. (laughs) Seriously, every message, every week. I sit there and I'm, I'm looking at this and I say, why would anyone listen to me? It's because the power of the resurrected Jesus that dwells within me that my salvation is secure and that I have the authority and the right to speak the truth About salvation, because I know it firsthand. Because I know it firsthand. And so do you, who are in Christ. So what did the cross at Calvary accomplish? Let's look at at verse 3. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. You see, in the Christ alone, by the will of God, and to his glory alone, we have been delivered from this present evil age. I don't think any of us have any doubts as to the reality of the age we live in. I I prepared this message long before I saw the events of this week. I thought, how fortuitous that God impressed that upon my heart, that... Christ alone by the will of God to the glory of God alone have we been delivered from this present evil age. We should note that Paul emphasizes that we no longer live for this present evil age but for the kingdom yet to come. See, if the cross of Calvary secured for us delivery from the present evil age yet we are living with the present evil age around us and it's apparent to us, but yet we have been delivered, right? It's it's already and not yet, as theologians often talk about. We operate in that it's already been accomplished by Christ, all of it. But yet, the reality is, not yet. We're living in this sort of flux of already being secured, but not yet having. But, for us, then, it should inspire us and, and, and move us toward uh, a different kind of living. Randy Elkhorn wrote a book called The Treasure Treasure Principle. And in that book, he describes living for the line of eternity, or living for the dot of the present. Right? When we live for the dot, I'm really impressed by this, that when we live For the dot of the here and now, what am I most concerned with? If the here and now is what I'm living for, everything is about me. It's all about me. But if I live for the line of eternity, if I live for what is yet to come, if I live for the promise... If I live as if I know this for a fact that because I am saved, I am going to live forever and ever and ever in the presence of God, then this present dot means very little. It means very little. It is only a means to the greater end. (laughs) What I live for today is only for that end. Right? And then doesn't it change what we do today? If we live for that line of eternity, then we have to examine our own hearts and say... Is what I am doing today, what I'm doing right now, what I'm engaged in, what I'm participating in, is that eternal-minded? Does that further the cause of the kingdom of God? Or does it further my cause? Does it further the kingdom of Jeff? And my wife would probably attest to you that I like the kingdom of Jeff a lot. (laughs) But... So now, let's read this. And I want you to hear this, because this is important. This is the reason why, some months ago, we looked at a book called Expository Listening. It's about listening to what it is that the Spirit of God speaks to us. So, verse 6. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some. Who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you receive, let him be accursed. See, the purpose of our study of expository listening was that you and I would be intentional in what we hear from the pulpit. We need to be intentional in what we hear. The driving passion for me as a pastor is that we would build a church that would readily, quickly, and adequately distinguish what is the one and only true gospel of Jesus Christ. What is the only one and true gospel? Because, see here, Paul gives a very clear admonition. And it's not for the speaker of the gospel, is it? It's really for the hearer of the gospel. I am astonished that you so quickly deserting him, he says. If you receive a contrary gospel, you've deserted the one who saved you. You've left him. If it's Christ and something else, Paul here uses clear language and he says, you have deserted him. Not deserted the word, not deserted the gospel, he deserted him. He deserted the one who saved us. And then he gives us clear and present language that says, even if an angel from heaven presents to you a gospel contrary to the one that saved you, because the one that saved you, the one that saved me, is the one that we just spoke at the beginning that was very clear that it is by grace through faith that it's not a work of ourselves, right? It is clear. But if anyone else adds that, even if it was an angel from heaven, he says, let it be accursed. And he emphasizes it twice. He says, I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. If anyone's preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let it be accursed. That's pretty clear language. And it's not for the speaker. It's for the hearer, right? It's for the hearer of the word. And that is my driving passion. Now, uh, Verse 10 is 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 big. For I am seeking, am, am, am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still striving to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. One thing I want to remember about this is that because of Christ's salvation, I can please God, but without him I never could. I never had the ability to please God at all. Hebrews 11, 6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. Without faith, it was absolutely impossible for you to please God. It was absolutely impossible for me to please God. So now, if we think about this, that I have indeed been saved by Christ... Then who am I pleasing? Who should I aim to please? Should I aim to please man? Why would I aim to please man? He can't save me, and he didn't save me. He had nothing to do with it. It wasn't what a man gave me. It was what I received from Christ that saved me. So why would I care? Well, we do, don't we? We care about what people think of us. We care that we might be seen foolish as we proclaim the gospel. We do from time to time. Well, the gospel doesn't please everyone. The is not approved by man naturally. We don't naturally just approve of this gospel of Jesus Christ, that, that it's a sacrifice of God. You see, you and I were quite contrary to the gospel prior to our salvation. Romans 5, 6-8 says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God chose his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, when I wasn't aiming to please God, when I didn't want to, when I wanted to live absolutely for myself and contrary to him, Christ died for me. When I was contrary to him. I find this an amazing truth. Look at verse 11. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you you have heard, my former life in Judaism how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. Look at verse 15. But when he who had set me apart before I was born... And who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me. But When he who had set me apart before I was born, and who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me. This is a, a, a pleading moment for me. Because I asked God this week, I asked him this this morning, and I'm going to plead with you. Today, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, I plead with you all this morning to be reconciled unto God. I ask that those who have ears to hear what the Spirit is revealing this morning is conviction of sin, righteousness, and judgment. That within our hearing this morning, Christ has revealed to you that salvation is an act of God's grace toward you that you must receive by faith. And this is a great gift of God. That we who are in Christ Jesus would be empowered and equipped to discern the true gospel. That we would live a faith that is eternally focused, Christ-centered, and a life that seeks approval from God, the one who saved us, and not of man. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen. That would be and is my plea for us this morning, is that we would be reconciled unto God, that we would see... Clearly, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we wouldn't add anything to it. And we wouldn't take anything away from it either. That it is the power to salvation. Christ and Christ alone. I am challenged by this myself. I know the things I add. I know the things I add to the gospel. Some of them are good things. I have the right family in the right place. It's a good thing. If my family's all doing well and everybody's healthy, it's a good thing. But if I put my faith and my trust in that, or if I put my faith and my trust in Jesus Christ alone for my salvation, do I want people to be pleased with me and what I say and do? Or do I want them to be pleased with Christ in me? Those become the things, right? Are you pleased with Christ in me? Is the world pleased with the Jesus that they know? And the Jesus they know is the one that dwells within you. That's the one they know. It's the one they're going to see. They're going to see that Jesus every day in your workplace. They're going to see it in your home. Your children are going to see that Jesus. The Jesus that lives in you. Right? That's the one they're going to see. Do you want favor from the world? You're never going to get it. If you want favor from the world, you're not getting it. If you want it, it just doesn't please people. But it pleases God. It pleases God that we declare our allegiance to Him and to Him alone. So that's my prayer this morning. Do you know? That you know, that you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have received from Jesus Christ himself the truth about your salvation. Do you know that? Do you know that you cannot work your way to God, that God did all the work to get to you? That the God of the universe, amazing as that is, made himself one of us. And not only did he just make himself one of us, but it says that he made him sin. That Jesus Christ was not just bearing sin, but he became sin. He became all of my wretchedness. All of it. He became sin. That's a wretched thought. I think that the God of the universe became sin for us. But the great news in the rest of that verse is that that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Amen. That we might become the righteousness of God in Him. That He imputed, that is, deposited in our account His righteousness. In our account. Took on all of our sin and deposited in our account the righteousness of God. And I love the fact that it says that we might become because it tells us that we do operate in this already and not yet. And that we are becoming the righteousness of God through Christ. But emphasize this that it is in Christ alone that we become righteous. So we have to dive our life into the person of Jesus Christ and who he is. Immerse yourself in the gospel of Jesus because it is the only way of salvation. That there's nothing else. Don't work at it. Don't do all these things that you think that you muster up and have a a good religious face forward. It is not that at all. It is pressing into the person of Jesus Christ because it says that this gospel, even Paul says, I wasn't taught it. I received it. Our salvation is caught and not taught, right? We catch it. And when we catch it, and we live it, that's the witness to the world of the greatness of who God is. And then we start to become the righteousness of God as we press ourselves in into the person of Jesus. It's all about a person. Jesus is not high in the sky. Jesus is not just a story in a book. Jesus is a person. I was talking with a brother this week about looking at the word of God and a professor said, you know, well, what is it that um, that makes you think that the Word of God is real? And there were some students in this class, and they had all kinds of good theological answers. They had some good historical answers as to why. And I couldn't come, but just one conclusion. I said, well, the only thing I know is that on the pages of this book, I met a person And he's as real to me as you standing in front of me? I met a person. I know him. What I long for is all of us in this room to say, I know the person of Jesus Christ and that through him I am becoming the righteousness of God. Let's pray. Father God, you are good and mighty and we are thankful for your son Jesus that you sent him to us. We are thankful that we receive this gospel by grace. We receive this gospel by your goodness and not our own. And I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen us and encourage us to press into the person of Jesus Christ that we might be changed, that we might be transformed, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And so, Lord, if there's anything in us that makes it about Jesus and something else, would you please remove that from us this week? This day, would you remove Jesus and anything else and help us clearly see that the cross of Calvary was sufficient for us and that we walk in the truth of the resurrected Jesus because now his Holy Spirit dwells within us and empowers us and teaches us and corrects us to help us focus in on the person of Christ who saved us. Amen. Amen.